Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoy this episode. No, he said, stand up and clap for me. He said that. I know he said that. No, just kidding. Uh, Man, it is good to be in the house this morning with you. Um, I came from a far, far, far land, uh, Santa Clarita. If you don't know where that is, that's where Magic Mountain is. Uh, We are the northern people. um, And... uh, it's, uh, we, you know, it's, it's far. And so uh, uh, it is good to be here this morning. Uh, before I jump into this morning's message, I just want to reiterate a few things, uh, correct Pastor uh, Chris on a few things. But uh, first of all, I am not from Brooklyn. I think he likes Brooklyn because that's where Biggie Smalls came from. I'm from the South Bronx where, uh, where they, they show in the movies where everybody dies. That's where I'm from, right? That's where I am from. But uh, needless to say, I love the Kretzu family as and their boys. Uh, they've just been an incredible blessing to my wife, Monica, and I, and my girls. And uh, uh, I just want to jump on the bandwagon. It is past appreciation. And I guarantee you that none of our pastors in any of the campuses will stand up in their own congregation, right, and tell you how good they are, how hard they work, right? And, um, and so I feel it would be, uh, it, it would I would be, it would be wrong of me not to kind of honor him today. And I want to encourage you to honor them in some form or fashion, whether it's today, tomorrow. In fact, if you have Kretzu's phone number, do me a favor. Can you text him right now? Right? Can you text him right now? Just right now, just if email, if whatever it is, he's, got, he's probably preaching like I am and his phone is going to buzz and he's going to look at it and he's going to be like, what is going on? So just tell him you love him. Tell him you appreciate him. Tell him how much you care about the great job that him and his wife and his uh, team has, have done here at this campus. They, they are just awesome, awesome, amazing people. And I'll reiterate, buy them a card, buy them a cruise uh, give them a brief case of money, however you want to do it, uh, do it, but love on them at some point, all righty? So let me give you a quick uh, snapshot into my life. As I mentioned, I was born and raised in New York City. Uh, I am of Puerto Rican descent, uh, which means I like to get loud. I'm animated. I use my hand, and I didn't bring the ponchos for the front row, uh, but uh, usually in my campus, I give out ponchos because that's the splash zone. So those after the front row, you're in good, you're in good spot. Anyway, I married my college girlfriend uh, in history, not in history. Uh, I married my college girlfriend from my history class, uh, and uh, she led me to the Lord. Uh, And um, we've been married now for 27 years. We have four beautiful uh, young ladies uh, from 25 to 11. Um, I got a lot of questions for God when I get up there. Uh, you know, he gave me four girls. I don't know if that was retribution or what, but nonetheless, I have four beautiful girls telling me what to do and when to do it. Um, we've been part of the South Hills family for a little bit over five years now. Uh, as Kretzu mentioned, I was the campus pastor uh, in Puerto Rico, and uh, after the hurricane, it was time to pack it up. Pack it in and let me begin. Uh, no, that's a different story. <laughs> different place. Sorry. It's that hip-hop connection I have with Kretsu. Anyway, um, 
we, we came, up, uh, came to Puerto, uh, from Puerto Rico to Santa Clarita, and it's been an incredible blessing uh, uh, being a pastor up there. A little side note I want to share uh, with you. Uh, pastor Kretsu is Moses' brother. Is Pastor Moses here today? Good, I can share this with you. Um, Pastor Kretsu is Pastor Moses' brother-in-law, and they have an incredible relationship. You know, I think they have little perks, you know, because that's his brother-in-law and whatnot. But I will let you know, I will let you know that I'm Moses' favorite. I am Moses' favorite. You can ask him. He'll probably deny it, but I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. The little Puerto Rican kid telling him I'm his favorite. Anyway, um, I'm so happy to be here. I hope you enjoy your time with us, uh, with me here, and I hope that you learn from it. So we are in week four of our Family Month series, an entire month devoted and dedicated on having better relationships with the people that we love, with the people that we care about the most. And today's message is titled, How to Keep from Being Taken Advantage of. How to keep from being taken advantage of, right? I don't like being bullied. Actually, I don't get bullied. I'm six feet, so many pounds. Not really getting bullied in that way. But in my relationship with my family, I've been taken advantage of before, right? And so this morning, I want to start off with a question. And the question is real simple. Have you ever been uh, asked by someone who was complaining uh, about something or someone else that um, they were complaining about what's, what uh, they were, they were complaining about someone who wasn't doing something, right? And when I asked that person, hey, what are you going to do about it? What, like, what, what, what's your next step from here? They said nothing. I'm going to just let it ride. But they kept on complaining about that person, all that thing. And I think we've done that before in our lives. We've, we've kind of, uh, you know, want to say how we feel, but we eventually don't say how we feel. And so I asked myself, why is that? Right? Because so many of us do it. Why don't we speak up? Why don't we tell someone how we are feeling or how their behavior is affecting us? Right? How do we, how we want to be treated? I think we all want to be treated respectfully. I think we all want to be treated the, uh, prop, uh, properly. Maybe it's because we don't want them to think that we're mean. Maybe we don't want them to think that we're rude or selfish. We're afraid that we're going to hurt their feelings. And maybe we're not sure how to say it. Maybe we're not sure how to uh, convey our expectations and our feelings with someone else. And so because of all that, we tell ourselves that expressing our expectations isn't going to change anything anyway. So why say it? Right? We, we, we deal with our relationships and we want to express it, but if we express it, it really, it's not going to really matter because they're going to continue to do what they want to do. And some of us even have convinced ourselves, right, pretending that we don't, <laughs> we don't have needs as Christians. We don't have needs as Christians. We go around thinking, man, Jesus wants me to let people take advantage of me. Being trusted, uh, being frustrated with the people around us all of the time is just part of being a Christian. We take it on the chin and we just smile, right? But is that true? Is that true? And to bring it into our context this month, do you know the number one person or group of people we have the hardest time clearly communicating our needs with? Family. 
We struggle communicating our needs with our own family, with the people that we love and care about the most. Think about it. You ever had these thoughts? Man, I can never say that to my mom. My dad's not that kind of person you say no to. Everyone's going and I can't just not go, not show up. It's the way our family does things. Go figure. And a lot of us believe that there are only two options available to us when we are handling our families. Number one, say nothing and let everyone walk all over you. Or number two, speak up and everyone will shun you. Everyone will discard you, right? And this is our, this is our, if this is our understanding, more than likely we end up feeling trapped and taken advantage of. We begin harboring anger and resentment towards our family members. And now there's this weird distance between us and them. So what if there was another way, friends? What, what if there was another way to go about it, to handle our relationships and our expectations in our relationships? What if there was more options, better options? What if the better option for us was implementing boundaries. A word we use often but know little about how it applies to us in our relationships and how to put it into use for our benefit. Boundaries. A boundary is a, is a cue to others about how to interact with you. It's a clear picture of your wants. It's a clear picture of your needs, your limits, and your expectations. The New Testament gives us a, an inside look into these relationships between Jesus and his friends and how these boundaries were established among them. You see, they were more than just friends. They were actually family. And they needed to set boundaries and expectations from each other. Acts 13 tells us that a group of friends were traveling around together doing ministry. And at one point, one of them leaves the group. John Mark decides to leave his friends. He's like, listen, I'm done. I came to do what I did and I did it and I'm out of here. And he leaves. No biggie, he left. But I want to catch this story and how it unfolds a few chapters later to kind of illustrate what we're talking about today. Acts chapter 15, starting in verse 36, it says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, who was part of the group. Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord and see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly. Since John Mark had deserted him in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. So what just happened here? We went from, man, they were, they were hanging out together. They were doing great things. And one guy that said, hey, I'm going to leave. But as the story unfolds, it's almost like we move from the simple facts of what happened was to the way it made someone in particular feel. I think feelings are important in relationships. Paul is thinking, man, that hurt me back then and I'm still mad about it today. And so I don't feel like I can trust this dude so I don't want him there. I don't want him to be a part of it. And so the question now becomes, is he going, is Paul going to voice his feelings? 
And is it a strong, is it a, is it a strong enough feeling to kind of draw, the land, uh, draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, this is not going to happen? And is that even okay? Is that even okay for a Christian to not want to be around another Christian? Think about that for a second. Aren't we supposed to love one another? Aren't we supposed to do life with one another? Mark 12, 31 tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the word of God teaches us. I'm sure we've, we've you've talked about it. You've learned that from this platform from Pastor Chris before. And so why do I bring this up? Because the reality is that you can't give to others what you are unable and unwilling to give to yourself. You can't love others if, if you haven't begun to love yourself. And loving yourself means, to, means that you need to set boundaries that others need to respect in your relationships. So let's, let me, let's, let's remind ourselves what it means to treat someone lovingly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustices, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. What an incredible part of scripture that identifies and gives us the meaning of what love is. So let me ask you this. Do you fully, does this fully describe how you treat yourself? Does this fully describe how you love yourself, right? Do you, do you, are you patient with yourself? Are you kind to yourself? Are you, uh, are you rude to yourself or do you care about who you are? Does, does, do you demand your own way, right? Because if we are not doing that to ourselves, then how can we give that to someone else? This is essentially what building boundaries is all about, friends. Implementing a personalized system uh, that enables you to treat yourself lovingly and in turn treat others lovingly. Prentice Hemphill says, a boundary is the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. I love that, right? A boundary is the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. So, so how do we know? How do we know when we are reaching that point where boundaries need to be established in our relationships, where we're unable to love others and ourselves effectively? Maybe, maybe it's when you don't have the time or the energy to take care of your body or do the things that you enjoy. Or maybe it's when you're regularly overwhelmed by everything that you have to do. Or maybe it's when you resent how others, how much others expect from you. Or you avoid certain people and situations to keep them from having to address them. But here's the thing. You don't have to keep living that way, church. You don't have to keep living that way. Sometimes we're tempted to think that we're trapped 
And there's nothing that we can do about it. But that's not true at all. That's not true at all. If we want things to change, then we're going to have to make some changes. And while those changes aren't impossible, they will require us to work at it. They will require us to, to make, an effort at, uh, make an effort in our relationships. You can't just wink it, wiggle your nose, stomp your feet, clap it. A relationship to work, there has to be work, right? Listen, being honest in our relationships involves risk. There's a chance that they may not react the way you want them to. In our relationships with the people that we love and care about, when we express how we feel, we need to understand that when we express it, we're exposing ourselves. There's a risk involved here. And they may not react the way you want them to react. They may not high five and say, oh, that was so good. Thank you for sharing your feelings. That was awesome. I, you know. In fact, the probability is, <laughs> is really high that, that, that they may not agree with you. They may not react the way you expect it. There are at least seven common responses to someone sharing a boundary. And only one of them, only one of them is in your favor when you express your feelings. Only one of them is positive and without consequence. So let me quickly share with you what they are. The first one, obviously, is acceptance. That's when they understand you. They agree with you, right? They'll abide by your request. You hold hands, and it's a kumbaya moment. You hug it out, and it's, ooh, I love it. Thank you. We have a great relationship. Newsflash, that doesn't happen all the time. The other ones that, that can come up with some possible pushbacks are ignoring they're going to ignore you. They're going to act like you never said not one word to them. And they're going to continue to do with whatever they want. Another one is they're going to uh, limit, they're going to do limit testing. They, they attempt to do what they want, but in a way that you might not notice right away. Another one is rationalizing. They demand an explanation and act as if your reasons are ridiculous. Defensiveness, they present a case for why it's okay for them to keep doing what they're doing. Have I had that one done before? <laughs> they're like, no, but let me tell you, but, the but always says it. Like, yeah, 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 but let me tell you why. This is why, right? Ghosting, <laughs> they stop responding to all, to, to everything that you do. They acknowledge your existence. You text them, you call them, nothing. And then there's a silent treatment. They avoid contact. They don't avoid contact with you, but they just don't want to talk to you. Have I had that? You're talking and the door slams. I was talking. I was saying something. Right? Maybe that's just in my house. So I took the doors off the hinges. <laughs> and that didn't happen to me again. Right? And so in this story, Paul is sensing all of these things. He doesn't trust this guy. He doesn't trust this guy. He knows that he needs to step up and say something about it or pay the price. Plus, he knows that his friend Barnabas can't read his mind. That if he wants to be understood, he's going to have to say it out loud. And, and despite not knowing how it will play out, Paul says how he feels. 
Paul expresses his expectations. Paul begins to create the boundaries between him and the people that he loves and that he cares about. And so how does it turn out for Paul and Barnabas? <laughs> Acts 15, 39 says, tempers flared and they ended up going their own separate ways. Right? They, they got mad. They got upset like, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't agree with what you're saying because this is how I feel. And so they expressed what they had to say. And I've just finished telling you that when we express our feelings, we need to be prepared that not everybody's going to accept them. And so Barnabas and Paul didn't like it, and so they wound up going their own ways. And you picture the argument. Paul is saying, man, I don't trust this guy. I don't want to bring him in. This guy is bad news. He bailed on me before, so I can't count on him. And Barnabas counters, man, I get it. I really do. But everyone deserves a second chance. He just needs someone to kind of believe in him. That's not who he is. And well, at least not anymore. So just bring him in. Church, when we hear an argument like this, the first question we tend to ask ourselves is, who's right and who's wrong? All right? Think about the last disagreement you had, whether that was with your spouse, whether that was with your kids, your in-laws, your grandparents, whoever you do life with. Think about the last argument you had. And wasn't it about who's right and who's wrong? And here's what makes a lot of relational conflict complicated. Everybody is right in this story. Both perspectives are valid because this exchange isn't about right and wrong. It's about wants and needs. And at the end of the day, our relationship boils down to wants and needs, give and take, right? We want this, we have this desire to oversimplify everything, to, to make every situation binary, black or white, good or bad. But whether or not a relationship works, it's not a matter of who's good or who's bad, but about the chemistry between two people, about how they communicate with one another. If you took a, a periodic table, right, which element, I'm not, I promise not going to take you back to school, but if you took a periodic table which, with elements, which there are elements um, in this periodic table and, and you ask the question, is one good and the other bad? Well, that's not, a, that's not an answerable question. They're, they're neither, right? They're all about, they all really are just neutral. But how you combine them, right? How you combine them with something else determines what they create. So is hydrogen good or bad? Well, neither. But Put it in the right combination of other elements and you get water, which gives life to everything. And then combine it with something else and you've got an atom bomb that could blow up the world, right? Setting boundaries is a matter of accessing what happens when we come together in our relationships and how we prevent an explosion. For example, my wife and I are we are totally opposites, right? She goes up, I go down. She goes left, I go right. I say yes, she says no. But somehow, God keeps us together. And we've been blessed to have four beautiful girls. And, and, and I love the, well, the choices that my, my girls are, 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 are making. And I love life the way it happens. But put me with someone else and, and we just, 
We just have, might have MMA, right? And, and so at the end of the day, we need to figure this out, how not to prevent, you know, how not to explode. So how do we relate in a way that's life-giving and not destruct, excuse me, destructive or damaging? Our boundaries, right? They show others how to exist in a relationship with you. Boundaries keep people in their place. And sometimes when we don't put boundaries, people walk all over us. People want to take advantage of us. People, I've always said to people, listen, don't, don't, mis- don't take me for a fool. Just because I'm a pastor, I will lay the smack down on you. No, just kidding. I joke around. Some of you were dozing off on me and I just wanted to make sure you were there. Right? They show us how to exist in a relationship with you. Here's the thing, people around you may see a boundary that you set as something that you're doing to them. Like they get offended and be like, oh my God, I can't believe that you're putting a boundary between you and I. I thought we were friends. I thought we were better than that, right? But it's not something you're doing for them. It's what's something that you're doing for both of you to protect you and them. We put up boundaries to protect ourselves, not to punish someone else, right? It's not bound, like usually... <laughs> As a father, you know, I would take my daughters and, and when I, I got tired of holding them and I got tired of walking them around, I would put them in like that playpen, right? <laughs> and I'm sure kids didn't like that playpen. I still think kids don't like that playpen because it sets boundaries. But I needed to put my daughter in the, in the playpen in the, with the boundary because I was going to go crazy. I was going to go cocoa for Cocoa Puffs if they kept running around with me, right? And so we need the boundaries. And even though Punishing them is not our intention. Truth is, you can't control their reaction. You can't control how they're going to feel and what they're going to say. So how do we do this? Here are some basic boundaries to implement in your relationships. Feel, feel all of your feelings without judgment and forgive yourself when you make a mistake. Don't regularly deprioritize your physical and emotional health for the sake of someone else. I know that's cool and I know you love them and they, they, they gifted you this and they took you there and they, they were awesome, they were there for you. But do not, do not deprioritize your own physical and emotional health for the sake of someone else. Address issues when they arise instead of letting them fester inside of you. Right? A lot of us kind of just sweep it up like it didn't happen. Like we like to put it under the rug and, and we do this and we sweep it. Just checking if it was dirty or not. Right? But we kind of sweep it under the rug and, and then eventually what happens? We trip over it. It eventually comes back and haunts us. So don't let that happen. Don't give much mental energy to things that you can't control or don't involve you. Too many of us are just nosy. We are all up in other people's business and we don't need to be in there, right? We got our own issue and now we're trying to add someone else's stuff. So mind yours, focus on you. Limit time with people who are chronically negative, emotionally draining, and overly dramatic. We we all know someone who's overly dramatic and they are taxing. Like you ignore, like it's Jane again. Oh. right? We need to put the boundaries. That's what they're there for, right? Say no to things that you don't enjoy, that don't help you grow or aren't consistent with your values. 
and have set times where you are unreachable and detached from things that consume you. Now, here's the thing. If you have clearly communicated these boundaries and someone violates them, slap them. No, don't slap them, right? Your next step, your next step should be to take action, right? It's not enough to simply draw a boundary. You have to enforce it because no one else is going to enforce it for you. You got to stand up and you got to say, hey, man, this is the boundary that I set. And this is for my well-being. It's for your well-being. And you got to enforce it. You know, if crossing a boundary isn't coupled with a consequence, then it's not a boundary. It's a wish. It's a wish. Think about it. In the context of this story, Paul, Paul's perspective is, man, loyalty and follow through are big, a big deal to me. You jumped ship midway through the last trip, and so the consequence is, well, I'm not taking you on the next one. Paul had to follow through and enforce the boundaries that he set up. And that didn't just mean that John Mark couldn't go with him. It also meant that Barnabas, one of his boys, one of his closest friends, couldn't either. And I'm sure that was disappointing for, for everyone. What a tough situation to be in, right? I'm not going if he goes. Well, I'm not going if he doesn't go. And I guess we'll have to go our separate ways. You do you and I do me. And they weren't mean about it to each other. They weren't like, like you, you're a jerk. I don't like you. Like, get on my face. Like, they weren't mean about it. He says, hey, this is where we're at. This is our boundaries have led us to this point. And so you're going to have to go this way and I'm going to have to go that way. And so they went their separate ways. So let me wrap up this morning's message. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and saying, man, how do you, how do, you do that without feeling guilty? How do you do that? How do you set boundaries with the people that, that I care, that I do life with, with my, my spouse, my children, with my in-laws, Whew. with my grandparents or you know, with people that I care about the most, how do I draw these boundaries without feeling guilty? And the truth is, I don't, I don't know that you, that you can. At least not at first, anyway. What you can do is remind yourself that you're not, you're not doing anything wrong. You're not doing anything bad here. And I know it sounds like a, a lot of work, a lot of work to implement boundaries in your relationships, but having great relationships are important. You are surrounded with people that you love and care about, and you're going to have to put in some work. You're going to have to put in some work. You see, we don't find great relationships as much as we foster and cultivate them. Can't go to the 99 cents or, can I get a friend? I'm looking for a friend. I need to be a good friend. They need to like the things that I like. We need to hang out. They need to like the foods that I like, really. You just can't do that, right? These relationships have to be, for, a lot of the relationships that you may have with someone in the church didn't happen on the first day. They had to be fostered. They had to be nurtured. They had to be cared for. And when we do this the right, when we do this well, everyone benefits from it, even if it doesn't feel good at the moment. We need to work at our relationships. And so what happened to what happened to John Mark? 
after all of this. Right? We learned that, that he, he bounced and he wanted, they wanted to bring him in. Barnabas wanted to bring him in and, and Paul wasn't having it. So what happened to, to John Mark? Because one of the reasons we're nervous about drawing boundaries is that we think that we're going to ruin another person's life. We think that when we set a boundary with our spouse or our in-laws or our parents, our children, that somehow we're going to ruin the relationship. We're going to mess it up. Well, let me tell you a little bit about what happened afterwards. John Mark traveled with and was mentored by Barnabas. They became good buddies. He spent time going around and learning and traveling with Peter. He did ministry all over. And he even wrote the gospel of Mark. You see, the boundaries that were set up by Paul, they didn't ruin John Mark's life. And it also didn't ruin his relationship with Paul. Because at the end, in Paul's letters, 2 Timothy, Paul says, man, bring Mark with you. Bring Mark with you because he'll be my right-hand man. You see, after all was said and done, the relationships that were established, the boundaries that were implemented benefited Paul, it benefited Barnabas, and it benefited John Mark. So much so that Paul said, man, bring this guy back. He's going to be an asset to me. He's going to do incredible things with me. It worked out for everyone in the end. Friends, over time, people change. We change. And when we do, our boundaries will change as well. And that's okay. That's, and that's okay. Because what was good back then may not be good today. I'll tell you one thing. The way I treat my 25-year-old, oh, excuse me, the way I treated my 25-year-old when she was younger is not the way I treat my 11-year-old. They, they think my 11-year-old is getting, getting away with murder. My 25, I can't believe that, that you're letting her do this. She has a phone when? When I got a phone, it was a box. Right? But we set boundaries back then, and I'm still setting boundaries today. They just look differently. The key here is that there's clear communication. And I know that today I shared a lot on this, and, but let me, let me quickly simplify this for all of us. How to build boundaries in our relationships. Number one, identify the areas in which you need limits. State your needs clearly. Don't invite a debate by over-explaining yourself. Be consistent in upholding your boundaries and restate your needs when necessary. And to help you kickstart creating boundaries within your own core relationships with your family, either tonight or maybe over the next couple of days, tell your family one quirky, one unconventional thing that you, need to, <laughs> that you need to do to keep yourself emotionally healthy. Maybe that looks like ESPN, right? Maybe that looks like watching the Hallmark Channel. Maybe that looks like going out to eat. Maybe that, <laughs> the other day, my wife went, she wanted to go shopping. And she said, hey, I, I want to go shopping. I need to get a few things for, for this and this and that. And I said, whose credit card? Right? And then she said, yours. And I said, okay. And I said, okay, you taking the girls? She said, no. 
And I said, what do you mean? She goes, no, they're staying home. And I'm like, but why? See, I was trying to get my old healthy boundaries, but I wasn't clearly communicating, but she was clearly communicating hers. So she went out. I stood home. I locked the girls in the closet. No, I didn't lock them. <laughs> but she came back a happy as can be. She didn't spend much. I hope not. But what happened is that we clearly communicated. We set boundaries. And she enjoyed that. And that's how relationships should be. There should be clear communication. And they should, these boundaries help us be better and do better with our, our relationships, with the people that we love and care about. So it, it doesn't matter if it's your spouse and it doesn't matter if it's your children. It doesn't even matter if it's your employees, people that you care about. Set the boundaries. Set the boundaries. Amen? Let's pray. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized, or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa, and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.